Well, if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King. And whichever section of the Christ the King family you're worshiping with, I want to welcome you. If you're here at the Bellingham campus, welcome. If you're worshiping with us at the Ferndale campus, welcome. If you're part of our online family, we're glad that you're here too. Thanks for coming to church. Great news, one announcement. We set a goal for our church to raise $50,000 in order to take 50 orphans in Tanzania, Africa, to create a home for them so that they could move in this fall. And as of this weekend, we have gone over the top of the $50,000 mark, which is awesome. And those kids are going to be moving in this August, which is really, really exciting. So thank you, Christ the King, for giving, giving, and giving a little bit more. I certainly appreciate it. Summer is coming, we hope, right? Got a bit of a tease, uh, got a bit of a tease here on the weekend with some sunshine. And I want to encourage you, we do summer a little different at Christ the King. Um, I'm not going to try and guilt you into coming week after week after week. In fact, I really want to encourage you to get some rest and to take a break, to enjoy the beautiful place that God has placed us in. And while you're doing that, I want you to remember something. While we all have the opportunity to rest and and, and take it a little bit easy, please don't ever forget this. People still need Jesus all year round, not just in the wintertime or in the ministry season. And so I I want to encourage you to be faithful. Don't let summer be a time when you slip backwards in your spiritual walk. This can be an amazing time to take some incredible steps forward. We've got some kind of new, innovative ways we're going to look at church um, over the summer summer months. And I just want to encourage you to do the things you need to do with your family, to get rest and all the rest of that. But don't let this be a time when, when you get back and fall and kind of look around and go, what in the world happened to me? And we're going to do everything we can to do our part in that, but I just want to encourage you along that way as well. We're starting a brand new series for June and July called Road Trip. In the next couple of weeks, some of you are going to actually embark on a road trip. And we're going to pray for you, okay? Because road trips are interesting deals. I mean, we used to road trip all the time when I was a kid. We'd pack up the car, hook up the tent trailer, and we'd always head to the West Coast. It was amazing and it was awful. Okay? It was amazing because of the the scenery and the adventure. It was awful because of Saskatchewan. Okay, some of you have no context of that at all. You don't understand. I want you to think about this. Put yourself in a hot car and drive across Nebraska over and over and over again and then make it about five times worse. That is Saskatchewan. Are you feeling me? Okay. I mean, it's just... I just... I get this twitch every time I talk about those memories of trying to go across Saskatchewan with relatives, like the closest people that I know inside of the car, knowing that what's waiting for me on the other side of Saskatchewan is more relatives, all right? Are you feeling the pain just a little bit? I mean, that's what it was like when I was a kid. When I got to college, road trips were different. I mean, you'd be sitting in your dorm with a group of guys, and somebody would go, road trip, And you'd get in a car and see whether or not you could drive to Denver for breakfast, even though you were on the other side of the country. I mean, that's just kind of the challenge that came along with it. Well, this summer, we're going to go, some of you are going to go on a real trip, and the rest of us are actually going to go on a spiritual road trip. And we invite you to be a part of it every single weekend that you're here. 
We're going to travel with some people who are on an amazing spiritual journey, and we're going to take our own spiritual journey as well. We're going to go through some barren, forlorn areas and discover some interesting things. We're going to stop at some points of interest, and we're going to learn, hopefully, a few things about life. We're going to take an off-ramp every once in a while, and we're going to go off-roading to see some things that you can't see from the normal viewpoint. We're going to spend some time with our family, but more than anything, we're going to take a break from our regular routine and see whether or not we can actually have an increased intimacy with the God who sponsors spiritual road trips. The Bible's full of road trips. All of the Apostle Paul's journeys, missionary journeys, they're road trips. Jesus was on the road constantly. The exodus of the people of Israel from Egypt, that was just one humongous road trip. And this weekend, I want to focus in on a couple of guys that God just showed up in their life and said, I want you to hit the road. And it's just an interesting story how God weaves the whole thing together. You're going to find these two guys in the first two books of your Bible, Genesis and Exodus. And our first road tripper is a guy by the name of Abram. Eventually, he's renamed Abraham, and we kind of meet him hanging out in the middle of nowhere. He kind of lives in Saskatchewan in the Middle East, okay? And one day, God shows up, and we read Abram's call to hit the road. It's the first part of your outline, and the Bible says this in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Okay, before we even get out of the chute, all right, I want you to notice something here about God's call. Okay, here's a couple of points of interest. There's no map, there's no direction, and there's no plan. How's that working for everybody? I mean, seriously, God just says, just leave. I mean, if I was Abraham at that moment, I would hold up my hand and say, I have a question. Where are we going? Where are we going, right? And God's response is basically, I'll show you someday, sometime. You'll know it when you get there. Just Walk along with it. Okay, this doesn't work for me, all right? I'm a planner. I like my life ordered sequentially with no wriggle room for change. I like to pack the car perfectly. I like to leave on time, punctually. I like to stop at Starbucks religiously, amen, all right, okay? I mean, I like to plan my trips out perfectly, and I actually let my wife do that because Laurel likes vacation planning and lists even more than I do. It's a perfect combination. I mean, I, I like instructions and clarity. This would not work for me because the instructions are like this. Leave. Just, just leave. And this is what amazes me. He does. It's incredible to me. Here's Abram's response. The Bible says this in Genesis 12. So Abram left. There it is. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. God just points him in a direction, and off he goes. And I know you're all very religious, holy people, and you think this is no big deal. Let's try it on for size, okay? I show up some weekend and say, God told me to tell you to pack up your houses, grab a couple of relatives, and head off in the direction of Tacoma. Off you go. Three people are like, yes, <laughs> Tacoma. The rest of us are, no, <laughs> no. 
I mean, I wish I had the spiritual fortitude to follow that way, but let's be honest, I don't think many of us do. Abram lives out some key elements about following God that I think a lot of us like to talk about doing, but when it comes to actually doing them, it's like, (laughs) I don't think so. Let's talk about some of the elements. The first one's this. It's obedience. It's summed up in two words from the biblical text. Abram left. He, He actually left. I mean, I just want us to notice this. His obedience was instantaneous. He didn't waffle. He didn't question. He didn't negotiate. He didn't even blink. It's just like God said, leave, Abraham's leaving. What an incredible amount of obedience. I mean, how many of us would have that response? Honestly, honestly. I believe Abram's living out a principle here that a lot of us forget. We talk about this a fair bit here at Christ the King. It goes like this. In order to get where you want to go, you have to leave where you presently are. I know it seems so simple, but it's so unbelievably true. Here's how it means. If you want to grow spiritually, you're going to have to leave your present spiritual condition behind if you want to get there. If you want to gain victory over habitual sin, you're going to have to leave the cycle of dysfunction that you find yourself in over and over and over again. That's going to have to stay behind you. If you want to become all that God has for you to be, you're going to have to leave your present spiritual condition and situation so that you can go and find out what God's will and purpose is for your life. Sound a little scary? It should be. Okay, there's another key element here. Along with obedience is a thing called trust. Scripture says Abram was 75. And then he took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all of his possessions. I mean, I want you to notice this. Abram is no spring chicken. I mean, what are most of us doing at 75? I'll tell you what we're doing. We're hanging out, complaining that the music is too loud, complaining about our aches and our pains and getting mad at the preacher whenever he calls us out, okay? That's what we're doing. Now, I want you to notice something here at 75. Abram is packing up and moving out, and he's not going to Mesa, Arizona. Those of you who are convicted right now, good, all right? He's not going to Mesa, Arizona. Instead, at 75, he's leaving on the spiritual adventure of her lifetime. This guy's not retired. He's been refired. He just finally got some new passion. It's like 75, great starting point. Let's go. We're all going, I want to get to 65 so I can do nothing. That's not biblical, okay? Just so you know. Here's another key element. It's faith. I love these four little words. And they set out. They set out. Abraham didn't get stuck at good intentions. He didn't get all ready and let something sidetrack him. He did what some of us never, ever do. He actually set out on the journey that God had for him. Let me ask a question. Are you stuck? Do you feel like your spiritual life is stuck? Here's some great theology for you. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to take a step in one direction or you're going to stay stuck your whole life. You can read the rest of Abram's journey in the last part of Genesis, but I want to move on to another guy. Not quite as much of a spiritual icon. I like him because his response is a little bit more like me, okay? We're going to talk about a guy named Moses. Moses, guy in the Old Testament, and Moses gets a call to hit the road as well, okay? The Bible says this in Exodus 3. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Eversonites, Lindonites, and the Ferndalians as well. <laughs> Just seeing if you are awake, okay? And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God comes to Moses and says, I'm going to send you on a road trip. I've heard my people. I'm going to set them free, and you're the guy who's going to lead them. So off you go. Leave. Start moving. Now, do you remember Abram's response? God said, leave, and what did he do? He left. Moses' response, not quite the same. Instead of living out of great obedience, faith, and trust, he does what a lot of us do. He whines. And he starts asking questions. Listen to his lack of faith, okay? This is Moses' response. Listen to his lack of faith. He says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Oh my God, I'm just a guy. I can't do anything. I don't even have a Facebook account. I mean, I, I like where I am. I don't like people. I'm an introvert. I can't lead anybody. I can't talk. I've got kind of a stuttering problem. I'm not qualified. And on top of that, I just don't feel like it. Sound familiar? I mean, we kind of chuckle about it, but I mean, how often have we told God, you're going to need to get somebody else because, I mean, my calendar's just really, really full. My past is just a little too colorful. Or if we're really honest, you know, God, you're just going to have to find somebody else because the bottom line is I just don't feel like it. Somebody else can win Whatcom County to Jesus. I just really don't care that much. I mean, let's just shoot straight, right? Moses goes on, and instead of some instant obedience like Abram, he actually stalls. So he's got a little lack of faith, then he throws this on top of it, a lack of obedience. Moses said to God, Exodus 3.13, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say as me, What's his name? Then what shall I tell them? I mean, I want you to notice a very subtle little word in there because it gets all of us all the time. Suppose. Suppose I actually go. Suppose I get baptized. Suppose I volunteer at the church. Just suppose I do that. Come on, God, what's the payoff? What am I going to get in return? Because that's what this is really all about. Because I'm not sure I'm actually going to push all in. I'm just kind of supposing whether or not I should actually be obedient. You know, we say it. I'm not committing to anything, but, but just suppose I actually lived like I profess. Then what in the world am I supposed to say to the people around me? Whose name am I supposed to tell them that I'm not supposing it anymore. I mean, I, I ask myself the question, do you think God, a little, God got just a little angry at this particular question? You know, I think so because of the answer. God says, you tell them, I am sent you. Not I was, not I will be, not I'm thinking about being, not I used to be, not if you like me, then I will be. No, I am sent you, so off you go. I mean, I can just see Moses sitting back going, okay, okay, don't get riled up, right? Just, I was just supposing it was a hypothetical, right? On top of that, here comes a lack of trust. Exodus 4 verse 1, the Bible says, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord didn't appear to you? I mean, do we ever, have we ever said that? 
well, but what if they don't believe me? What if I don't have all the answers? What if people think I'm different? What if people think I'm a Bible-thumping, truth-telling, Scripture-spouting Jesus freak? Yeah, what if, right? What if we actually lived to the level that we profess? What if we actually carried the cross? What if we laid our life down day after day after day after day? What if we, the people of God, lived with obedience, faith, and trust as the people of God? Just asking, okay? You know, it's interesting. Moses actually went. It took him a while, but he went. We got to give him that. He went kicking and screaming, and instead of enjoying the ride, the truth is he lost the joy in most of his journey. So before we move on, let's just kind of pull to the side of the road and check out just a couple of points of interest. I want, I want us everybody to, to know these things. First one's this. Moses' road trip lasted 40 years. I mean, you want to talk about, I mean, I can't handle two weeks with my relatives. 40 years. You know, so before you start whining and complaining about the length of your spiritual journey, you may want to compare here just a little bit. And by the way, he did his wandering around in the desert. Okay? Here's another point of interest. Moses kept repeating his dysfunctional cycle over and over and over again. He kept doing lack of faith, lack of obedience, lack of trust, lack of faith, lack of obedience, lack of trust. He had some gloriously shining moments when he got it right, but for the most part, he kept repeating the same cycle over and over again. For those of you who've done 12 steps before, we have this little phrase, this little word that we use for, for, to sum up what, what happens in our lives when we do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, but we expect different results. Can anybody help me out? Insanity. Moses just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again and wondering, why doesn't this work out for me? Kind of like us, right? Same thing. Week after week, month after month. And then we wonder why it doesn't change. we got another little line that we use around here. If you always do what you've always done, you're always going to have what you've always have. Here's the last little point of interest. It's kind of a downer. Moses never arrived. He never got where God was sending him because of a lack of faith, lack of obedience, and a lack of trust. I mean, what does that tell you about the importance of these three elements of our faith? Well, as we get ready to close, let's take a real quick note of just a couple of spiritual road trip lessons, okay? These are unbelievably important. Here's the first one. Obedience is the first step on any spiritual journey. Okay, I haven't been around as long as some of you, been around a lot longer than some of the rest of you. But in my 43 years, I've learned this to be true. It's not a journey if you don't move, okay? There's another word for that. It's called stationary, right? And the only way you're ever going to move spiritually is if you take the first step, and the first step is always the step of obedience. It's always the step of obedience. I mean, so I have to ask you the question, what is God asking you to do? Because if you say no, when God says go, you're stationary. You're not on a journey at all. You haven't left the place from which you're standing. Obedience is unbelievably important and powerful. I mean, I'm amazed at the people that I meet on a fairly regular basis who say, you know what, I desperately want God's blessing. 
but I don't want to be obedient. I want God just to pour out all of the good stuff, but as far as what he's asking of me, yeah, I'm going to do this my way. I'll tell you what, obedience is tough. I gave myself a bit of a gut check when it came to just obedience, okay? I'm going to read you some statements that I'm going to pull straight out of the Bible, and I just want you to just take your soul, kind of walk down, and see whether, obedient or not, it's a simple question. It's a yes or it's a no. Okay? Straight from Scripture. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Obedient or not? Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't say it. Obedient or not? Do not be unequally yoked. And yes, young people, that means dating too. Obedient or not? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Come on, Eeyore. Obedient or not? Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Christ the King, obedient or not? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. And children, obey your parents. Obedient or not? Flee sexual immorality right out of the Bible. Not hang around, dawdle, and check it out from the edges. Flee. Flat out, run the opposite directions. Obedient or not. How about this one? I don't like this one. Be self-controlled and alert. Obedient or not. Pray without ceasing. That's for the intercessors to do, right? Obedient or not. Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves with other believers. It's summertime. Obedient or not. I said I wasn't going to guilt you. I didn't say anything about the Holy Spirit convicting anybody. That's up to you, right? <laughs> One more. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Yeah, but I didn't like the music. Obedient or not? Oh, come on. Let's try on a couple of more. This is fun. <laughs> Confess your sins to each other. Obedient or not? Repent and be baptized. Obedient or not? Here's the kicker. Be holy because I am holy. Obedient or not. You know, here's what's crazy to me. I come to God on Sunday, and I actually think that because I'm being obedient on the weekend, it balances off all the other disobedience for the other six days. That's not the way God operates. 
God said to obey is better than sacrifice, which means obedience is the first prerequisite to getting God's blessing. Now, I want you to understand something. As Christians and followers of Jesus, we don't obey out of fear. We don't obey because of what God might do to us if we don't do what he said. Some of you grew up with a parent like that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We obey out of love because everything that God asked us to do is for our best. What a paradigm shift that is. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my favorite theologians, says this, only he who believes is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. Second lesson as we get ready to close. You need to understand that trust addresses the uncertainty of the journey. I mean, it's so true. You're only going to obey a God that you can trust. And we say it all the time, I trust God. We tell other people, trust God. Really, to what point are we willing to trust God? What if he just said, leave? What if he wanted to send you? You know, it's our greatest fear as Americans, right? Please, God, don't send me to Africa. I read a great article this past week from a missionary in Africa. You know what it was called? Please, God, don't send me to Anaheim. If he said go, would you go? Do you trust him enough to just go? Here's the final one. It's that faith sustains the faithful throughout the journey. We sing, great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there's no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. The God you serve is faithful. Will you be faithful in return? You know, I believe God's got me on a journey. And anytime I get a little freaked out with the destination, which happens on a fairly regular basis, I have to simply remember the faithfulness of God. In that moment, I just kind of stop on the road trip, turn around and look back into the distance and go, look at all of the places where God showed up. This past week, a friend of mine sent me a beautiful scripture. Deuteronomy 33, 12 says this. Let the beloved of the Lord, just in case you're wondering, that's you. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Get this picture. Where is the beloved of the Lord? tucked right back here. For anything to get to him, who do they have to go through first? What a promise. Here's how I translate this verse. I say it this way. I'm on a journey, and I can rest easy knowing that I know a God that I can obey, trust, and have faith in because he carries me on his back. He is faithful and trustworthy, and that means wherever it is that we're going, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. And it doesn't matter how many speed bumps come, how many detours come along the way, because I'm riding back here, wherever he's going, wherever he stops, that's where God's people should want to be. My hope and prayer over this summer is that you'll come along for the road trip going to do things a little different. You're never going to know what's coming week by week. It's going to be a little strange. You're going to have to trust us. 
It's going to be a wonderful adventure. But when you go on a road trip, I mean, my wife tells me an incredible story. She said one of the coolest moments of her growing up was one year. They packed up the motorhome, and her dad went out to the Trans-Canada Highway and said, right or left. And off they went. And every time the kids wanted to turn, they turned. Laurel says they found some amazing places. They had some great adventures. That's the summer we have planned for you at Christ the King. I hope that you'll come along because when you hit the open road with Jesus, anything's possible. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. God, thank you for showing us Abram's and Moses' life in the Bible. God, I shudder to think what the chapters would look like if you put my life in there. So God, thank you for getting, giving us a glimpse of Abram with his obedience, faith, and trust, and Moses and how he struggled with obedience, faith, and trust. And God, would you help us somewhere in there to learn what it means for us to obey, trust, and have faith. God, wherever it is that you're going, we want to follow. Thank you that you carry us between your shoulders in a safe and sheltered place. May we embrace your love for us as we take to the open road with all glory and honor and praise. And all of God's people, Bellingham, Ferndale, and online, agreed together and said, Amen and Amen.